Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and life coach David Bartke here. It's Thursday, August 17th, 2017. And we're embarking on a new adventure this week, David. We're picking up a new book, actually an old book, but new for what we've been doing. Yay, that's exciting. I can't wait because I love this book. It's one of those formative books that you find out about after you hear about or read or watch the movie of The Secret. Yes. Yeah, somewhere along the line, everybody who's into Law of Attraction definitely hears about who wrote this book. That's right. Abraham, the the, the woman who talks to spirits on the other side, the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Esther Hicks. <laughs> Esther Hicks, of Esther and Jerry Hicks fame, yes. So before we get into that, you had something you were going to surprise me with, and I just can't wait to find out what it is. So what is this thing you've been holding on here? Well, I just wanted to get your opinion about, because, you know, we talk about vibration and okay. high vibrations, low vibrations. So the other night, I saw a Broadway show. It's um, Hello, Dolly oh. with, Bette Mid with Bette Midler. How fun. And, you know, obviously, she's a, everybody knows who she is all over the world. Yep. And the minute she came out on stage, the whole theater roared with applause and yays and all that kind of thing. Sure. And I... And I just wondered, like, wow, what does that do to somebody's vibration oh. to get <laughs> you that imagine? kind of, like, whether it's her or whoever, and they, like, wherever they go, there's, like, people applauding and fawning all over you and cheering for you. <laughs> well, you know what they say, I mean, the hardest part is that you don't want to go to your head, because when it goes to your head, then all of a sudden you start expecting that you're, you know, the, the, the next coming, <laughs> the second coming or whatever, you know. Well, the, yes. That's a whole other thing, which hopefully <laughs> we we hope that people don't have Absolutely, that yeah. But I'm just wondering if that helps. Like, let's just use her, for example. Does that help keep her at a raised vibration just during the show or in general? It's kind of in interesting to think about. Oh, I would think that it keeps her going all day and all night. I mean, yeah, you, you, you get that degree of adulation and attention. I mean... I remember seeing a TV interview one time in which Sir Lawrence Olivier was asked by the interviewer why he does this, why he does mm -hmm. acting. And his mm -hmm. answer was to lean over to the interviewer, look close into his eyes and say, look at me, 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 look at me. <laughs> they love being watched. That's why they become actors. So to get that level of attention and adulation is that they're just eating that up because that's why they do it. Think. They love that attention. <laughs> but, okay, so you do the show, and then I wonder what happens to someone when there isn't, the show is over, like, you know, the run it has its run, and then you're not getting that every day. Like, do you still have it because you experienced it, or does it die because you're not getting that kind of charge every day from an audience? I think the answer to that is yes, and I think it varies from, from one person to the other. It's yes because both are true. Mm. It's also that everybody reacts differently. For instance, Robin Williams was notorious for his ability to just be on whenever he was in mm. front of an audience. Mm -hmm. When he was doing movies and so forth, and he would be on with the crew, he'd be on with the cast, he'd be on all the time, and then he'd have his downtime. And in his downtime, he'd go sit with his wife, and they would just hold hands. Hmm. He needed the de-stimulation. 
He needed, he needed to escape it because it, it became so overwhelming. So yeah. I think there's one example of how it affects people. I have also seen interviews from the, some famous people who talk about Oprah Winfrey being one of them, who talk yeah. about how it is something that just carries on and on and on. It's just throughout mm. their lives. Every single <laughs> breath they take, they're just inundated with it. And Oprah, I believe, talked quite a bit about kind of that dark side that we referred to earlier, that you don't want to get caught up in the second coming you know, uh, concept that gets you all messed up. And you can right. easily do that. I mean, there's a lot of stories about famous personalities who got into drug culture and so forth just because it was so much to handle. And you have yeah. these huge yeah. highs and huge lows. I mean, <laughs> bipolarism is a major problem among entertainers. And bipolarism is is what they used to call manic depression. It's it's you know super high and then super yeah. low. You know. Yeah. So I think it, I it want... can work either way. It, it depends on the personality, and it depends how well you're able to kind of integrate it into your life. You know. Right. And then I the next question I I always think about. Well, it looks a certain way from the outside, but I wonder when you're that person. <laughs> yeah, I've wondered that too. <laughs> is it? Is it? Are you feeling that? <laughs> like, that would be so interesting to know. I think what we have to do is get Bette Midler on the next show we do. Yeah, that would be good. I'd like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just find out, like, in normal times. Right. Because, like, you know, cause we're, we're all responsible for our, our, our vibrations, so obviously we can't count on whether it's, you know, a roar of applause from an audience or when you finally get your dream car, like, you know, we can't rely on that to keep us at a high vibration. We have to do the inner work. Right. So I always I always wonder, like, I wonder if they're experiencing it the way it looks like they are. You know, my wife and I actually had a similar conversation to this. We weren't actually talking about this, but I'm realizing now the parallels were pretty dramatic. She was bringing up the fact that, um, I think I mentioned before, she has a gardening service business. And it's doing very well this year. In the last mm -hmm. couple, three years, we've had some good growth. It actually Excellent. grew to the point where it was becoming too much to manage and her stress levels wow. were off of the roof. So I've jumped in mm -hmm. and I've been doing things to really streamline things and, and you know just make everything work better. And we've made some good progress. We've got to the point now where instead of being ready to kill her, the stress is just high. <laughs> but uh, the, the goal is to bring the stress way, way down, and it's going to take some time to do that. But we've made the progress, and that's good. I'm Put it this way. She used to work till like 9 or 10 at night. Now she stops the day at 5 or 6. So that's a big oh, improvement. Oh, much better. Yeah, yeah much, much, much better. better. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there has been tremendous improvement there. And one of the things that we talked about was she had a meeting with her staff before she started working on a particular project today. They had this really, really big project, actually the biggest project that we've ever gotten. And all the team was there. And the team now is about uh, 10 people, something like that. They were all there and she's looking around at her team. She's saying, wow, these people all work for me. <laughs> yep. You know, she had one of those moments. And yeah. in that moment, I asked her, you know, so how did that feel? And she said, I don't know. It, 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 it was such a new feeling, I think, that she hasn't really had a chance to integrate it into her life process, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. I think what happens, at least in, in, on a smaller scale like this one, is it takes some time just to get used to it, to, mm -hmm. to get used to that, that energy that, that's flowing there. As she gets more and more used to it, as she becomes more accustomed to it, I think a big thing that happens is her confidence level increases. Yeah, I could see that. You yeah. know, so yeah. 
speaking more generally, if we are people who are experiencing a surge like the one she's experiencing, where all, all of a sudden we have more uh, employees on board and she's realizing, wow, I have this big team working for me now. I've never had that before. Mm-hmm. I think what it actually does is feed your self-confidence. And that's really critical, as you know, to being able to apply the law of attraction. Because until you can feel confident that what you are focusing on is actually going to come true, it's hard to continue to believe like you need to that it will come true. Yeah, you have to have that certainty. So so it reinforces itself in that way. Um, I'll be interested to to kind of entertain this question regarding my wife a a year from now to see where her self-confidence level is. I suspect it's Mm -hmm. going to be pretty good, and I suspect that um, what we're attracting into our lives is going to be that much better as a result. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be exciting. But what do you think? I mean, there's my take on it. What's your take? Well, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a personal thing, too. Obviously, in that moment, like getting back to, like, a performer, I guess, that you're you're feeling this amazing high vibration because there's a room full of hundreds of people cheering for you. Yes. (laughs) But then when you get home, there's not a room full of people. So, um well, I, I think it's see, I would to... I would suspect that somebody who is experiencing that that kind of high low thing, yeah, the smart one, let's put it that way, the the one who's kind of in tune with what how they need to use it, is going to use the downtime away from the stage to just visualize and remember what it's like to be on the stage, mm-hmm. because when you're mm-hmm. doing that, you're reliving it, you're you're re-experiencing right. that energy level again. Well, it'd be it would be wonderful if all the performers knew about the law of attraction. <laughs> well, well it would be also wonderful if they knew about it and they applied it. Yeah, yeah, it's not enough to know yeah. it. You have to apply it. <laughs> yeah. But those who, you know, those who don't, don't know that. <laughs> so maybe, because sometimes I wonder too, like, why do some uh, performers keep going? They just work constantly, relentlessly. And I always think, well, maybe that's what they're thriving on, that 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 vibration boost every time they get applause or fawning over or a new movie out. Like they, that's how they get their vibrational boost. Oh yeah, I think of somebody like a, a Meryl Streep, or you know, one of the really top actors, the ones who, mm-hmm. who just blow us away with their performances. They are true craft practicers because yeah. they just love the practicing of the craft. That's actually more important to them than the adulation. And that kind of person, I think, is more along the line of what you're talking about. That's the person who's going to just continually get jazzed by the fact that they get to do this. They get to play these games every <laughs> single day and play and take on new characters and, and take on behaviors that society normally wouldn't let them carry on, but because this is a show, they can be Mr. Nasty Person, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you're right. Someone who would know about love attraction and how to apply it, oh. who was a performer, they could. They, that's their... They could totally use those moments of high applause to totally raise their vibration. Well, plus sure. method acting. I mean, method acting. Now, I'm not an actor, so I just, you know, based on what I've heard from interviews and inside the actor's studio and that kind of thing, method acting is basically where the actor takes on the personality. You become that person in a sense. And you start thinking like that person and acting like that person and feeling like that person. You dress like that person. You know, when uh, method actors very often, when they're doing a movie in between takes, they're still staying in character off camera. 
because it's so much easier when you just stay in character throughout the entire day. And then they take the character off at the end of the day. Well, yeah. that kind of person yeah. who's so heavily immersed in it, that, that's actually a two-edged sword. I mean, I look, Louise and I have talked about this a lot. Look at all the, the rather famous actors who played bad characters who died early. Wow. I never thought of that, my goodness. Or actually, there's a real, really classic example. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the television series The West Wing, uh, which told a story about... I a, know of it. I didn't you know, know of it. it. Okay. Well, it tells yeah. the story of a yeah. fictional White House. And the guy yeah. who was the chief of staff, of staff Leo, had, um, he had a history of drinking and alcohol abuse and so forth. And in the story, he had previously had a heart attack a number of years ago. And toward the end of the series, he has another heart attack and almost dies. Within, I think they, they were like a, a year and a half away from ending the series. Within a year of that, the actor himself died of a heart attack. Oh, my God. Now, you can't wow. convince me that there's not a connection there. Because yeah. he, he's living a character who is prone to heart attacks. He lives and acts out having a heart attack. And then he has a heart attack. Wow. That's not coincidence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so your advice to actors is to not take roles involving dying. <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. The, the thing that I've noticed about the really top actors, the ones who get you know lots of interviews and so forth, they all tell the same story. That after a take is done, they're laughing, they're joking, they're kidding each other, they're having a great time. And I think right. they do that in order to offset the negative roles yeah. of the characters that they're playing while they're on camera. Yeah, I think yeah, that's it, a good idea. Because you got to yeah. contradict it in order to stop that negative flow from happening. Yeah. In fact, how many times have we heard interviews from people who did uh, you know, a famous movie or a t famous TV series or whatever, where the actors talked about how wonderful it was to work with the crew? All the time, yes. Do we ever yeah. hear a story where it, the... the the film or the TV series or whatever was successful where they didn't get along? No, you always hear like, oh, I couldn't have done this without such a wonderful crew. Exactly. Now, part of that is, is you know, learning how to do interviews. You know, you want to present yourself well, but a large portion of that is it's really true. And it has yeah. to be, if you think about it. From a law of attraction perspective, they have to because they're, they're doing drama most, most of the time. And even the mm -hmm. comedy that they're doing is usually comedy where someone's getting hurt. You know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you have to have a way to counteract that. And that's why I think those films succeed. The films succeed because the actors can successfully separate the characters they're playing from their own need to feel good. Yeah. 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 There was another actor, too. This reminds me of when you were saying that you think there's a correlation between sometimes what role they play and then that manifests in real life. Was it Heath? Heath Ledger, who yeah. remember he played the he played the Joker in Batman, right, right, and it was, that was a really psychologically taxing role to play. Oh yeah, and then unfortunately, not too long after that, you know, he OD'd. So, well, going back about sixty years, James Dean. Yes, James yeah. Dean was an up and coming actor. Everybody agreed he had a major career ahead of him. Yes, but he was a very unhappy person. Very angry. And what did he end mm -hmm. up doing? He ended up crashing his sports car, mm -hmm. killing himself. You know, so there's an example of an actor who didn't learn how to separate them and didn't learn how to feed his need 
for positive stuff. So what you're suggesting is if an actor holds himself in that in a low vibration for long enough based on what role they're playing, then that could attract something in their real life. So well, yeah, yeah, you have to contradict it. You have to literally contradict it. What, what is it we talk about in trying to apply the law of attraction? We talk about being consistent in what we're focusing on. So, for instance, uh, we talked a, a week or two ago about how all prayers get answered yes. Maybe we, it was last week, I think we actually said that. Mm -hmm. All prayers, the answers are yes. And it's true. It's not just prayers. Every thought the, that we put out there, the universe answers back yes. The bad part, the, the reason that people don't get what they're thinking about is they contradict it. First, they say, I, I just had a conversation with a guy just before we did the show that illustrates it beautifully. This is a guy who's had all kinds of terrible things happen recently. He got evicted. His dog is sick. His mom is near death. I mean, just all these horrible things are happening to him. And all he can talk about is all the horrible things that are happening to him. Well, guess what? Of course, you know, yeah. bad things are going to happen. So he actually won't try to, to focus on positivity very much. Most of the time he evades the whole subject. But on those very few occasions where he does focus on it, he doesn't get a, a quick result. And so he says, well, it doesn't really work. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute. You you spent five seconds focusing on what you wanted. And then you spent the next 24 hours focusing on why it wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Well, the same thing's got to apply in the acting world. If you're if you're focusing on doing a role that's, that's very dramatic and it's got all this yeah. negativity going on, if you aren't countering that with positivity, you can't. You aren't contradicting it. So you're encouraging it to come true in your life. You have to contradict it in order to stop it. Yeah, yeah. So what we need to do is we need to go give a lecture at like the, all the drama schools in New York and California. So all the actors protect themselves. <laughs> so David, I guess we'll be seeing you next week on Inside the Actor Studio. <laughs> Oh, uh, goodness. But, yeah, it's just interesting to think about. Yeah, it is. And, and it's instructive, too, because we all actually, we aren't actors. We aren't dealing with, you know, the adulation of millions and so forth. But we all have our own ups and downs every day. And we are living on small scale what these people live on a large scale. It's really no different. It, the only thing that's different is the scale. So it's worth yeah. keeping in mind. Yeah. And then I have a fun, like, manifestation story from a client. Oh, okay. And... Like, sometimes it's good to tell the fun ones, too. Absolutely. Because, because in my opinion, it doesn't matter if it's a small thing that was manifested or a big, like, a you know, your dream house or your dream car. It's the same idea. Oh, positive so is a, positive, no matter how you slice right, it. Right, so a, a client um, wanted to uh, attract a particular type of um, backpack made by Chanel. Okay, like Chanel, like the fancy Chanel the uh, so designer okay <laughs> right so she wanted a particular one and it turned out that they were sold out like you know she was told oh, they don't make that many of those and it's sold out so she just told the person at the store well if you ever are able to get one however here's my number just let me know and she kept looking at it and thinking oh this is nice to have this backpack and lo and behold I think she said it was like not even two weeks later, she gets a call from uh, Chanel saying, uh, we located the backpack. We just got one in. We don't know why they got it in, but we did. <laughs> and they, they, sent, they texted her a picture. It was the exact one she wanted. And 
Uh, she's like, oh, my God, yes, I want this backpack. And then to make it even better, you know, they're, they're pricey. Like anything Chanel apparently is very pricey. Oh, yeah. I think she said it was like $2,600 or something like oh, that wow, for a backpack. <laughs> so uh, she was telling her mother about it. And then her mother said, oh, my goodness, I just got a rewards card for two thousand dollars from Bloomingdale's, you you can have you can have it, and it was so. Anyway, it was just like here she got what she was focusing on, which it wasn't supposed to be available. And not only that, she got was gifted this uh, card that basically paid for the whole thing. Wow, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> that, that's the kind of thing that just makes you feel good. You get goosebumps on for that one. That that's yeah. So so no, you know, was it like a dream house or dream car? No, but still, the idea is the same. It, it it doesn't even matter what the money amount is. What matters is that it happened. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That she still, even though it was it was supposed to be something that wasn't available anymore, she still focused on it. She still looked at the pictures every day and said, "Oh, how wonderful it would be to have this." And you know, kept herself in that high vibration about it. Well, and not only did one manifest when it wasn't supposed to, then the whole thing practically got paid for. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned the word vibration because that actually gives us a route back to talking about our original topic. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because we're going to be talking about Ask and It Is Given. Ask and It yes, Is Given by Abraham Hicks. And Abraham Hicks does need a little bit of explanation for people who have not heard of them before. Um, yeah. it, it's actually one person voicing many voices. <laughs> yes. And that sounds to many people, particularly to devout Christians, like speaking in tongues and uh, uh, having the Antichrist coming through your mouth and things like that. <laughs> but that's really not what the case is. This is actually now you. This is a bit controversial. I mean, you may not believe this, and if you don't believe it, it's okay because, as it turns out, what Esther Hicks through Abraham Hicks has to tell us is still really good, regardless of whether you believe where she's getting it from. Yeah, I totally agree with that because you know wherever because she's saying that she she gets blocks of information and she can translate the information in her mind. And it's all amazing law of attraction information. And this information, so I, these blocks of information, she says, is coming from the other side, from the spirit yeah, side. Yes, and apparently it's 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 a group, it's a group of, for lack of a better word, beings. And just to make it easier, she calls them Abraham. Right. That's kind of how she describes it. Yeah. And in my opinion, too, like you were saying, like. Wherever it's coming from, it's really amazing information. It is, yeah, because you listen to it for a while and you read it for a while. The, the, the hardest part is getting through the strange way that Abraham speaks through Esther Hicks. It's a very repetitive yeah. way of talking, <laughs> and it's very noun-heavy, so it, it starts to, to get overwhelming in terms of its denseness and its, its heavy attitude and so forth. But once you get past that in your mind, it's just listen to what they're saying Wow, it really starts to ring true deep down in the depths of your being very quickly, I find. Yes, yeah, so what I love about the information, too, is when you first hear something, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I kind of get it. And then you can hear that same thing a year later, and you just get it at a deeper level. Like, you think you get it, and then you get it even at a deeper level. 
And then oh, sometime yeah. later, you'll get it at an even deeper level. It's just, it's just all very interesting. It's also interesting to see what the critics have said about it. Like, if you go to Amazon, you can see what uh, people who gave it a one-star or two-star rating, what they had to say about this or some of the other stuff that Abraham Hicks puts out. Mm-hmm. And I remember one in particular, he, he complained that, uh, well, the whole book is about this. What you think about is what you're going to get in your life. Now I just saved you from buying and reading the book. <laughs> And he's right in a sense because that message keeps coming through over and over and over. It's very repetitive in that sense. What makes the book worth reading and what's worth studying is if you study each individual instance where that concept is brought in, it's brought in slightly differently. It's giving you a different way, a different perspective of seeing that same thing, which is helpful because the, the initial concept itself is a tough concept. It's kind of counterintuitive to the way we're used to thinking in Western society. So, you know, it's important to be able to get to the meat of it and to find out why it is they keep talking about the same concept over and over again. Yes, and also it's important to read it, too, because you're getting explanations of why. Yes. Like, not ju- it's not just what you think about you attract, but to me it's kind of like math, like, you know, when you learn math, if you don't get the very basic parts as it goes on, you won't understand any of it. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. <laughs> to, me, to me, when I think of the information from Abraham that Esther channels, you kind of have to understand all the basics to really get the more, that, the more that you learn. If you don't get the basic foundation of it all, you won't get it as much. So let's start off with the introduction to the book, which is called the, an introduction to Abraham, and it's written by Esther Hicks, in which basically she tells the story of how she, in a sense, got to know Abraham. And we won't do the whole thing, but we'll, we'll start off with it because it's a good way to, to, to yeah. you know, begin the conversation. So it starts off this way, quote, She speaks with spirits, our friend said. She'll be here next week, and you can make an appointment with her and ask her anything you like. That's about the last thing on this earth that I would ever want to do, I thought. But at the same time, I heard Jerry, my husband, saying, we really would like to make an appointment. How do we go about doing that? You can just imagine her reaction to this. <laughs> because yeah, what yeah. you find out as you read this is she was a devout Christian, and, and this was all very scary to her. <laughs> yeah, she was not She was not uh, seeking any of this. No, not at all. <laughs> no. So, so we can just save you a little piece of, a large piece of, of this introduction just by telling you that. But continuing... It says, that was 1984, and in the four years that we'd been married, we never had an argument or even exchanged crosswords. Pretty good relationship. We, we were two joyous people living happily ever after with each other and compatible on nearly every subject that came up. The only discomfort that I ever felt was when Jerry would entertain friends with one of his stories from 20 years earlier relating his experiences with the Ouija board. If we were at a restaurant or some other public place, when I sensed one of those stories coming on, I would politely, or sometimes not so politely, excuse myself and retreat to the ladies' room, sit in the bar, or take a walk to the car until I believed that sufficient time had passed and the account would be over. Happily, Jerry eventually stopped telling those stories when I was around. Now, I wasn't what you'd call a religious girl, but I attended enough Sunday school classes to develop a very strong fear of evil and the devil. Thinking back, I'm not really sure if our Sunday school teachers had actually devoted a greater proportion of our classes to teaching us to fear the devil, or if that's simply what stood out in my mind. But that is, for the most part, what I remember from those years. So 
As, I, as I'd been taught, I carefully avoided anything that could possibly have any connection to the devil. One time, oh. when I was a young woman, I was sitting in a drive-in theater and happened to look back out the, the back window of the car at the other movie screen and saw a horrible scene from The Exorcist, a movie I purposely avoided seeing. And what I saw, without hearing the sound, affected me so strongly I had nightmares for weeks. <laughs> So that gives you a taste of what Esther was like. And, and it doesn't sound anything at all like someone who says, hey, I'm going to go around and I'm going to scam people by saying that I can listen to spirits <laughs> from the other side. It's, exactly. It, it's like so far away from that. You say, okay, so they aren't con artists. So who are they? <laughs> and we, we could go on and tell a lot of the story here. But if we told the whole, if we read the whole thing, we'd probably be on for two or three hours. So let's try to yeah. avoid that. Yes. To summarize, what happened was um, at some point in time, they – well, very shortly after that part of the story she was just telling, they discovered another Chandler. And that Chandler – oh, don't tell me I, I've forgotten the name already. Do, do you remember the name of it? I remember the name of the Chandler. No. Oh, what was it? Uh, beginning with an S. I can't think what it is. Well, I'll, I'll skim through the book as I'm, I'm reading here and as I'm talking, and I'll see if I can spot it. But they'd heard about this one person who, who channeled, and Jerry wanted, of course, to go find out. And Esther was really reluctant. She didn't really want to go, but all right, she kind of got dragged into it. And they did this uh, session with this channeler, and... They got some interesting information out of it. Esther was a little bit skeptical. Jerry was buying into it and all that kind of thing. And in the course of this, they discovered another channeler, a local one, named Theo, who is not famous at all. Seth, that's who it is. Seth Speaks. Oh, that that's was the one. right. Yes. yes. Seth was the one they heard about. Well, the woman who channeled Seth had since died at that point in time. So they couldn't actually do a session with her. That's why they went to this local person named Theo who had his own or her own deal going on. And, and they did a couple sessions that way. The only thing that Esther really got out of it was a prediction, if you will, a hint that basically said that she was going to be a channeler, which kind of scared the daylights out of her. She really didn't want to be one. Yeah, she was not even that was not even in her realm of awareness. No, <laughs> and, and it made would, her very uncomfortable. It was very yeah. uncomfortable. But according to the message they got, she as a human being was very receptive to the kind of connection that would be needed in order to be able to transmit information that way. And all of a sudden one day a, a situation happened where she uh, and, and this is in session with this Theo person, where all of a sudden she just felt like something was coming through and she had to express it somehow. And at first she did it through like automatic handwriting, and you know what was coming to her she just would write down, and then she did it through typing. And at one point she was actually typing with her nose because that was the only way she could make sense out of what was coming over, which is weird. That's just plain strange. It's it's just just crazy. What she typed out the first time that she actually was able to get a full message out was I am Abraham, I am your spiritual guide. Isn't that amazing though? Well, it's yeah. not only amazing, it's, it's scary. Because <laughs> think about who Esther was. Lock the doors. <laughs> yeah, this, this was like, this was really not terribly comfortable stuff. 
yeah. But over time, she she became intrigued by the experience because for her, of course, it's a very singular experience that the rest of us aren't having aren't having on a regular basis. Here, she is directly experiencing that and trying, kind of like in a vague sense, like my wife who was getting used to the fact that she had ten employees working for her. Well, this is even yeah. a bigger one. She's getting yeah. these messages, and she doesn't know where they're coming from. And the messages are spelling out, "I am Abraham. I am your spirit guide." <laughs> That's freaky. That just freaks you out. So it took her a lot of time to get used to it. Eventually, though, she started to relax to it. And as she started to relax to it, she was able to get more and more clear messages from the other side. Yeah. And yeah. she was able to, to learn how to transmit. Like you said, she get these thought blocks. She was learn, learning how to take those thought blocks and turn yeah. them into English sentences. Because the, yeah. the, the words weren't coming across as words. It was these thought blocks, these, these concepts. And she had to turn them into sentences. So she's a translator in a sense. Yep, and she just had to get used to tuning into all that. That's right. That's right. In the process, they're of course teaching her how to use the law of attraction because the more that she's able to raise her vibration level, the better she's able to get clear thought blocks from them. So it, it becomes a self-feeding process. It's a vortex. <laughs> it's a high vibration <laughs> vortex. <laughs> To make a long story short, eventually, of course, Jerry is thrilled by all this because he's the one who ends up talking to Abraham through Esther. Esther is just yeah. channeling him, and Jerry's carrying on the conversation. He's just, like, loaded with questions, and he's asking <laughs> everything he could possibly ask. And, you know, and, and then they're recording a lot of this stuff, and they're, they're, they're basically making a record of the information. And Jerry gets so excited, he wants to bring in friends who would want to talk to Abraham through Esther. And so they start doing that, and eventually it becomes an actual business. They start, you know, hiring Esther out, so to speak. So, he, again, one more opportunity for Esther to say, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yes, and yes, and then it turned into books. It turned into books. It turned And the books are actually written by Abraham through Esther. Which is, again, weird. It's hard to <laughs> buy into it. It's hard to say yeah that's really what happened this isn't esther just typing out her own stuff and pretending that it's abraham that that's a that's a hard one and and yeah. if it's a permanently hard one you don't have to buy into it it's okay i've actually bought into it i mean when joel was my co-host he told me he never really bought into it so we actually had a point of disagreement which was rare for us but mm -hmm. um yeah, he had, he had a lot of trouble with that idea but he loved the teachings of of, of abraham yeah. hicks because the teachings yeah. are wonderful so whether you buy into the story or not, I guess doesn't really matter. What does matter is the wealth of information that has come through Esther Hicks is phenomenal. Um, the perspective of how to handle, first of all, how to understand what the law of attraction is, because really, as far as I can tell, she's the first person who had that concept presented to her as the law of attraction. I haven't been able to find anyone else who did it before she did. Have you? I, I'm not, not, no, not in that way. I, no. I'm pretty sure she was the first one. I don't know if she actually formulated the phrase. I think there may have been somebody else who formulated the phrase for the first time, but she's the first yeah. one who got clear information about what it is, how to use it, why it seems to work sometimes and doesn't seem to work at other times and all this stuff. She got some really clear guidance on it, and that's what yeah. Asking It Is Given is all about. It's the book that records exactly that yes and for anyone who doesn't know then her career trying to kind of came where they started 
going all over the U.S., and oh, she yeah. would do these like weekend long or day long kind of uh, reading basically. questions. Yeah. yeah, she had where she's on a stage, and then there's, there's a chair on the stage, and people would always come to see, hear her. And then they, whoever wanted to ask Abraham a question goes on the stage, sits in the chair, and asks the question, and then Esther answers the question, but it's but it's really Abraham answering. She's just kind of used as the vessel for right. the information. And they ha- she has Abraham cruises now, where you go on the cruise, and the, you know all day are different Abraham question and answer periods, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the, the Abraham seminars, I guess you might call them, have become incredibly popular. She's still doing them today. Sadly, Jerry Hicks died about two or three years ago. He was in his yeah. late 80s. He was up there, and I guess he had some sort of a cancer. And but I, I also got the sense that he felt like he was done with his life, which is basically what Abraham teaches us anyway. That, that part of their their teaching is that we die when we choose to die. It's not that it just happens to us. We may not deliberately think the thought "I want to die," but we set ourselves up for it in various ways. Yeah. And, and yeah. we do that when we've lived out the life we want to live, when we're done with it. So you know, yeah. people find a way to die, in a sense. Yeah, and I, and I have to say that I went to one of her day-long programs. Did you? And Yeah, and after experiencing that, she's definitely like the real thing. Like when she's up, she comes out as Esther, and then she goes, okay, let's start. And she kind of closes her eyes, and she tunes in, however she tunes in, to the Abraham information. I saw a video of her doing this one time and she says, bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then when she opens her eyes, it's, she's Abraham kind of. Right. And then she, she even talks at first a little bit differently, like a little slower. It's very interesting. And then it's a very uh, stilted way of talking. That's one of the most fascinating things to me because it doesn't flow like you and I are talking in just conversation. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, Yeah. A little different. And the the amazing part, like when I say she's the real thing, because people came up there, and no matter what they asked her, no matter how they tried to like throw her for a loop by asking certain questions in a certain way, she always handled it in like the most amazing, down to earth way, with with all love. It's from a, a total law of attraction point of view. And you were just like, wow, this information is amazing. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing, too, about her role is she has gotten to the point now where she's actually much more comfortable being the conduit for Abraham than she is actually talking on stage herself. <laughs> it seems like it, right? <laughs> she, well, she actually says it. In fact, I think she says it here. Yeah. Um, well, okay. This comes from the end of uh, the introduction. She says, in the early days of our work with Abraham, our audiences wanted us to explain our relationship with Abraham. How did your meeting occur? How do you maintain your relationship? Why did they choose you? What is it like to be the speaker of such profound wisdom? So Jerry and I would spend a few minutes at the beginning of every speaking engagement or radio or television interview trying our best to satisfy those questions. But, here's the underlying part, but I always felt impatient with that part of our presentation. I just wanted to relax and allow Abraham's consciousness to begin flowing and to get on with what Jerry and I felt was the true reason we were standing there to begin with. And that theme comes out a lot from her when you hear her interviewed. She was on Oprah Radio, for instance. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. heard that, that interview? 
A piece of it. I did. Okay. I heard a piece of it. Well, when she began that interview, Oprah was trying to do the same kind of thing that she just described there. She was Oprah was trying to kind of ply her with questions about how this whole thing started <laughs> and so forth. And Esther was just saying, why don't I just – let me just get into Abraham's – because Abraham can explain this so much better than I can. <laughs> Yeah. She just feels yeah. much more comfortable when she's allowing this consciousness to flow through her and, and be be its voice. So right. and most of the time when she is uh on stage, 90% of it is Abraham as coming through. It's not her. So I could I could understand why she would feel more comfortable. Yeah, the only that thing that's coming from her is that she's the one formulating formulating the English words from the thoughts that are beginning to her. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The rest yeah. of them, and and you can tell from the way th this is one of the things that I kind of divine from listening to the stilted language that I call it. I realized that Esther, as she is translating, so to speak, is trying really, really hard to be very precise to the concepts that she's getting. So she's she's constantly reaching for the right word to yeah. describe this message she's getting, this this thought that she's getting, and. If you listen to early recordings from the very earliest parts when she was doing it, it was much more stilted. Over time, uh, it's become much more relaxed. That would make sense, yeah. I could get, yeah. Yeah, because she's, yeah. she's just gotten better at picking up that vibrational level. So you, you mm -hmm. can just imagine what she went through trying to, to make that connection and then you know make the connection work, so to speak, and make it, make right. it flow. Especially, especially when it was something you weren't even trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently she's done enough now that it's become a part of her life. And in fact, she'll tell stories. Um, in fact, actually, it's Abraham will tell stories about Esther's experience <laughs> through Esther's voice, which is a little weird. <laughs> but but for instance, I, I remember one where um, they have a uh, they had. I'm not sure if Esther still lives there now that Jerry's passed. But when Jerry was still alive, they had a home in, I think, San Antonio, Texas, somewhere in Texas. And right. there was one particular day where she went out to just you know look at the day. And I guess they lived out in a very rural section. And as she's looking out, she says, Abraham, is that you? And Abraham says, ah, you caught us looking through your eyes. Interesting. <laughs> you know, so, so she has this ongoing private discussion that goes with them too. And, and yeah. from what I remember hearing in the, the interview she had with Oprah, they don't interfere with her life all the time. You know, they, they pull away. You know, so she, they, they're there as long as she can handle it, and then they pull away so she can have downtime, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that one, but that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. well, you kind of have to. So, you know, for instance, uh, this, this one particular morning, Abraham said to her, Esther, we are aware of your questions that are radiating from the mass consciousness of your planet. And here through you, we will joyously offer the answers. I mean, that's a weird way of talking. I don't, I'm sorry, that's just plain weird. <laughs> Relax and enjoy the delicious unfolding of this book. So that's how she ended up writing Ask and It Is Given because yes. Abraham basically was, you know, laying out their their ideas for the mass consciousness of the planet. <laughs> yes. Well even when even when she talks at her seminars when she's as Abraham, she does use words like, Oh, and you know, you humans are such and such. Yes. And the planet your planet is such and such. So it's right. kinda interesting. Yeah. And if you're having trouble with the idea and you don't really believe that she's actually channeling anybody, you have to kind of be willing to get around that part and just kind of let it go. Yes, and it's it's worth doing that because the information is so good. The information is fabulous. Yeah. We've got about, 
Oh, 15, 16 minutes left in the show. Why don't we start on chapter one? It's a 22-chapter okay. book. we got plenty to talk about. We're going to be talking about this for like the next four <laughs> months. So why yeah. don't we just start on chapter one? We won't get real far into it, but it's a, it's such a good title. I mean, you, you noticed that before we even start doing this week's episode. Yeah. The Power of Feeling Good Now. Mm-hmm. So important. Which is a... Yeah. a Terrific chapter name because it lays out right at the beginning, this is what we're going to be talking about because it's so important. And yes. when you first read it, you say, the power of feeling good now. Okay, so what's the point? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it really is you know key. a lot, yeah. In the beginning, like when I first read that, I was like, oh, okay. But now I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it yeah. takes on different meaning over time as you continue to study and study and study all the reams of information that's come out of Esther Hicks that she uh, attributes to Abraham. Um, let, actually, let's read this first couple of paragraphs. It's a good way to start. It starts off by saying, we are called Abraham, and we are speaking to you from the non-physical dimension. Of course, you must understand that you also have come forth from the non-physical dimension. So we are not so different from one another. Your physical world has come forth from the projection of the non-physical. Boy, these sentences are just loaded with meaning. Your physical world <laughs> yeah. has come forth from the projection of the non-physical. Yeah. There's pretty, so much stuff yeah. that's in there. And your, your first yeah. time you're reading it, you're saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> but over time, you, you begin to realize just how insightful that is. That, that's that's yeah. really important to know. It's basically giving us a way of answering what we've often called unanswerable questions, unknowable questions. You know, the, the questions that lead to religion and so forth. You know, where do we come from? Um, yeah. What's the nature of spirit? What's the nature of God? What's, you know, how are we created? All that kind of thing. It, it goes to answer those questions. And it it's kind of dumbfounding the first time that you run into it because you say, wait a minute, what are they actually saying here? Well, read then, the next sentence. Okay. The next sentence kind of explains a little more. Well, it says, your physical world has come forth from the projection of the non-physical. In fact, you and your physical world are extensions of the non-physical source energy. Yeah. So, so there's another concept, extensions. And source energy. And source yeah. energy, yeah. Okay, so now we're, we're getting this word source. What the heck does that mean? Source. I think it means source energy can mean God, whoever, however you interpret God. That's how, that's how I feel. That's what that means. Yeah, I, I think source means we want to know where we all come from. Well, we come from the source. So let's call the energy field that we all come from the source, source energy. Yeah. And that instantly becomes an answer to the question before you even ask the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's why they ended up trying to get her to call it source energy. Um, moving on, it says, in this non-physical realm, we do not use words, for we do not require language. Well, also, they lack mouths and tongues. <laughs> <laughs> so it would make it a little bit difficult to try to communicate in words. <laughs> In fact, he says it here. We also do not have tongues with which to speak oh, or ears with which to hear. <laughs> yeah, Although we do yeah. communicate perfectly with one another. Our non-physical language is one of vibration. Uh, there's another word that comes in, vibration. We hear that one a yeah. lot over time. And our yeah. non-physical communities or families are those of intention. Whoa. I mean, they're just loading these words in here <laughs> that are just, the first time you read it, you say, what the frig are they Yeah, it takes about? a minute to, to yeah, yeah. In other words, they write, we radiate that which we are vibrationally and others of like intent assemble. 
there's some of that stilted language I was talking about. Others uh, of like intent assemble. Yes. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, that is also true of your physical world, although most of you have forgotten that this is so. So now, now what, that, is that, what does that mean to you? Now That's that they've that. messed with my mind, then they do a complete reverse on me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that paragraph, it, I mean, it's, I'm glad that they put it out there first. Because it kind of gives you warning, like, okay, you're going to deal with some really deep concepts here. And it's going to take you a while. So just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. but, but you have to kind of accept it that way, that you're not going to get it all on the first reading. You're not going to get it on the second reading. It's going to take a while to get a sense of what they're talking about here. And that it, it, that's the challenge, isn't it? The first challenge is, can you handle this information yeah. as it's being given to you? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's good at first if you can't get the whole thing at once. Why do you, <laughs> you say that? Like, well, because if you kind of just say, okay, I'll just allow that, okay, and you keep moving on, then you you don't get so hung up on that. Because kind of after you read the book and you have all this other information, then when you go back to that, it kind of makes more sense. At least that's how I experienced it. Nah, that didn't work for me at all. <laughs> but I'm glad it works for you because that's the key thing. Yeah. Everybody's going to find a different way to make it work. But if I tried to do it that way, I would just get confused. <laughs> right, because otherwise, otherwise I would have been stuck on that, yeah, <laughs> that well, paragraph. It, it's, I, 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 when I first read that paragraph, I had to just leave it. I, I really couldn't <laughs> take it in. I couldn't make sense out of it because there were so many concepts in there that I had never heard expressed in the way that they used yeah. these concepts. So. The first reading was like, what are they talking about? What does that mean? Speak English! <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, they are speaking English. You just have to kind of get used to it. It's a different dialect, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it turns out, again, reading from the paragraph, Abraham is a family of non-physical beings naturally assembled by our powerful intention to remind you our physical extensions of the laws of the universe that govern all things. But I think you need to read that again. <laughs> it's a, it's heavy, man. It's heavy. Yeah. I will read it. Can you read it one more time? I will. Abraham is a family of non-physical beings naturally assembled by our powerful intention to remind you, our physical extensions, of the laws of the universe that govern all okay. things. Now I get it. I just had to hear it again. <laughs> and you, you've, okay. you've read this stuff a lot, and you had yeah. to hear it twice. Yeah. That thing is just, <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you break that one down? Abraham is a family. Okay, we can kind of buy into that. Of non-physical right. beings. Okay, I can, I'm kind okay. of with you. Right. Naturally assembled. What the hell is naturally assembled? Do you mean you can assemble unnaturally? <laughs> what does that mean, anyway? Well, naturally assembled by our powerful intentions. But what does the naturally have to do with it? Well, because the intention brought them together. And I think what that really means is you have to look at the root of the word naturally, which is nature. And I, by nature, I don't mean nature as in the world of plants and animals and trees. Right. I mean right. nature in the sense that we describe a person's nature. We describe the essence of the person as being this is, this is their nature. So if you use nature that way then naturally assembled means 
by their nature, they assembled because of this powerful intention they want to remind us of, which is really a screwy way of talking. But I think that's what they're trying to drive at. And then the other part that throws you is our physical extensions. So reading in context, naturally assembled by our powerful intention to remind you our physical extension. So it's you, but, uh, we're, you we're, we're the physical extension. Yeah, meaning us. We're, yeah. we're us the physical humans, extensions. As humans, yes. And, and to make the matter even more confusing, later on you discover not only are we physical extensions of them, we're actually physical extensions of ourselves. And now if you're not totally lost, you're actually gaining insight. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot to take in, especially the first time hearing it all is. of it. I, I remember, th this is where I got my analogy of the... Um, of the, uh, the the signs at the beach in New Jersey or whatever. You know the ones I'm talking about? Not the signs, but they're, they're like boards that, that show a scene. And you can put your head in, in the various, uh, like two or three places for people to put their heads. And you can take a yeah, picture. Yeah, you can take a picture. Uh, so here's yeah. the muscle man yeah. with the bathing beauty yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, to me, the putting your head into the hole is equivalent to seeing the physical side of who we are. And if you want to see the non-physical side of who we are, you go around to the side of the board and you see the rest of the body sticking out. That's the metaphor yeah. that I thought of. And when I thought yeah, of that metaphor, now I could start to make sense out of the idea of us as physical beings being physical extensions of the rest of us who are the, the, the spiritual side, so to speak, the non-physical yeah. side. And in that way, now I can start to make sense out of this concept that we are all part of source energy. We came from source energy because we are still part of source energy. Just because we're living here in the physical exactly. world doesn't mean that we stopped being source energy. We're, we're part of yeah. it. And it kind of answers the people who say, well, okay, how are God, for instance, we are created by God. We are um, made in the likeness of God, as Christians like to say. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you look at it from the way Abraham is expressing it, what it really means is we're all part of the same energy field. Yes, so we're all extensions of that. We're all extensions of that. So as long as that's the case, in that sense, we are all part of creation and we are all creators at the same time. Because yes. all the creation came from the source energy and that makes the source energy the creator and we are part of that creator field, so to speak. Yes. Yes, and there's a um, wonderful author and lecturer, Iana Van Zant. Have you heard of her? No, no, no. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. She even has her own show on the own network called Fix My Life okay. by Iana Van Zant. And she was talking to someone who was in a lot of fear, and she said, well, the, the main reason why people are in fear is because they forget that we're all connected to source energy. We forget that we're connected to that. And once you remember that, you can take comfort in knowing that. Yes. That's kind of an interesting way of looking at it as well. Yep. Yeah, well, it's it's part of the, the journey of trying to understand what Abraham Hicks and others are trying to tell us is yes. trying to put together pictures that we humans in the physical world can grasp onto and make sense out of. Yeah. And yeah. if you read the stuff and listen to the stuff, and, and oh, you can listen to Abraham Hicks all you want to. There, there's like reams of it. There's there's hours and hours of it recorded on YouTube. And you, oh yeah, you can, you can play like <laughs> seminars all over the place, and they've got yep. people have broken up into pieces. Oh, you want to learn about this? Here, <laughs> listen to this video, and oh, yeah, just endless amounts. Um, and and fortunately, uh, Abraham Hicks and and Esther Hicks have not tried to do anything with their copyright, so it, it enables the message to just flow and gets passed along to everybody because of the power yep. of the internet which is terrific. I think it's really great that they're doing that. 
Um, we've got about five minutes left. We should probably try to draw a little bit of a conclusion on what we've been talking about here, although we've just barely started to touch the chapter. We've barely started, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, why don't we continue don't this we... chapter next week? So next week will be the okay. official beginning of chapter one. Um, since you know we, we've only just started to really you know dip our little toe in it, <laughs> that's about all we've got. Right, but it's a good it's a good starting point for us and who's ever listening to kind of think about until they continue next week. Yeah, yeah, and it's also this is like a little plug for Esther Hicks. It's an opportunity for you to go get the book, um, which that's you can right. buy at Amazon. You can buy it at Barnes and Noble online. Any of the online stores you can buy it at. You can buy them at any any of the offline bookstores too. Almost all of them have this book. Um, but you can also find it free. We discovered a, a PDF copy online. So <laughs> don't you, tell anybody. You're not supposed to, Esther will be mad at us. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think Abraham Hicks loves that. I think Abraham loves the fact that this information is being transmitted and that it's been shared all over the place. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I understand what you're saying. But um, I really think that they're happy about it. So, yeah, you know, no, no. I'd say go get it. But literally, just do a Google search for Ask and It Is Given, and you'll find it. Um, it's it's like a something like a five megabyte file, it, you know. So it takes a minute to come down, but it it's pretty easy. And once you open it, man, you're opening yourself to a world that we're going to be spending a lot of time on for the next 22 weeks. I can tell you that. Yeah, it's yeah. a good world. It is a good world. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I'll tell you, is. I used to be. I I I had told this story to Joel numerous times, but I had some pretty unhappy experiences with religion, particularly when I was in my teens, and I actually rejected spirituality for the longest time uh -huh. this actually gave me a positive approach to spirituality that i could accept and take in so i'm grateful for the fact yeah. that they were, were willing to try to come through and and that esther was willing to be the vehicle for them to come through regardless whether you believe in it i'm glad that it happened because it gave yeah. me the opportunity to reconnect mentally to what I've already always been connected to anyway. Because it's not like we never we ever lose our connection. The connection is always there. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But, the you res but you resonated with it when you heard about it. And when I resonated with it, I did what they talk about later on. I got into that vortex. I got into yeah. that uh, that higher vibration level, which in and of itself was a tough concept. But <laughs> we'll, we'll save that concept for next week, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, but... before we leave everybody, let we, we didn't get to do this last week, so let's do it this week. Um, we want to remind everybody, not only can you find us here on PRN, you can also find us at our website, which is a great place to go because you can sign up for us as a podcast and catch us regardless of whether you happen to be tuned into PRN any given week. That way you won't miss anything, and it actually comes right to your iPhone or your Android phone. Uh, so you know you just get an instant reminder, oh, yeah, there's the, there's the show, LOA today. Uh -huh. So you can go there and subscribe to us. You can also find us in the iTunes store. So there's another place. If you're an iPhone user, that's another place you can find us. It's a really great way. And, uh, David, you've been uh, gaining clients through your, your service as a life coach. Tell people how they can find you. Yes, you can find me at uh, lifecoachdavid.com. It's very easy. And I also just uploaded a very good um free ebook on lifecoachdavid.com called my favorite law of attraction articles excellent so that that might be something that would interest people listening because there's some really good articles there and then you can also find out more about me and if you're interested in possibly law of attraction life coaching well we're over time david's been a pleasure as usual same here fully enjoyed it we'll see you all next time here on loa today goodbye everybody mm -hmm.